This is the European edition of Breaking Banks, the world's number one fintech podcast and radio show. We bring you the European unicorns, startups, founders, regulators and leaders innovating the rapidly evolving fintech scene today. A truly localized podcast with both English and local language content with some of the world's most well-known hosts and influencers in the fintech sector globally. Join us every week as we explore what makes the European Union a phenomenal proving ground for many of the fastest growing fintech plays in the world today. Okay, let's roll. Welcome to uh, Breaking Banks Europe, the Web Summit Special Edition. I'm Megan Johnson. Uh, I'm joined with Shane Hapak uh, from Mali, and this is the first of 10 different interviews we'll be running over the next few days. Uh, we're really excited to be here. It's been a bit crazy getting in, a lot of people, a lot of walking, but... Yeah, what, what recession, right? Yeah, yeah, crazy, but we've made it, um, and yeah, really excited to, to speak with you and get your sense of of uh, how you're feeling about Web Summit and, and your views on kind of the Portuguese. Uh, you have an office here, so it'd be good to talk about the ecosystem. But first, uh, Molly has never been on Breaking Banks Europe, so who are you and what is Molly? <laughs> Thanks for having me. So I'm Shannon Molly, CEO. Molly is a payment service provider, predominantly focused on online and uh, predominantly focused on, on the SMB segment. So started in the Netherlands and then has developed the service outward from there. So first went to Belgium and then later to Germany, France, and most recently to the UK. Yeah. So we're about 700 people, about 150,000 active customers. Super. And uh, reasonably contained footprint. So we're in all the local geographies from a kind of sales marketing and customer service perspective. And we have yeah. a customer operations center in Maastricht in the south of Holland. Mm -hmm. And most recently we announced Two engineering hubs, one about 12 months ago in Lisbon. Amazing. Which we've been super pumped to get going and yep. to get some staffing. Great. Uh, and we also announced that we would start hiring in Milan. Super. So. Cool. And so when, you, when you're working with SMEs, is it, are you working on a particular segment? We're seeing a lot of kind of specialization within the SME space. Are you just kind of the broader SME market? Yeah, we cast a pretty wide net. So yeah. it's anybody that needs to take a consumer payment online. Uh, yes. You know, for small businesses, a lot of them during the pandemic pivoted to really focus mm -hmm. on their online infrastructure, yep. which has been great for consumers from a conven convenience perspective. You yep. can get your groceries delivered. You can you can order wine. You can order uh, clothing. You can order all sorts of things. Order COVID and tests. Food. COVID <laughs> online COVID test yeah. booking. So, you know, really, I think online spend. Most people would suggest it's somewhere in Western Europe around 15% uh, of total spend and continuing to Easy. kind of compound. So, yep. you know, we're always happy to help businesses get up and running and we're lucky we have many of our customers start small and turn into something much larger so uh, yeah I mean having lived in a few European countries I think and the online payments experience isn't necessarily super smooth all the time so anything that's helping create a more kind of seamless payment and, and checkout and this kind of end-to-end -end experience I think is very welcomed um, especially in, in Portugal sometimes it's a, a bit of a struggle um, so Portugal, why did you choose uh, Lisbon in particular to create the development hub? Yeah, so our, our, our company went through a fantastic period of growth. Um, you know, we were really lucky. We raised a lot of capital. We yep. decided to invest that capital straight away in trying to build out the team. Um, 
We're Amsterdam based. Amsterdam is a wonderful place to run a business, but it's a small talent market. Mm -hmm. uh, we're not the only company in the tech space Very to be located there. City, we're not the only yeah. company to be located there that raised capital. Yeah. So I think we just found the, the talent pool a little small and mm -hmm. we wanted to expand our footprint. We wanted to keep it close, so we're yeah. very European focused. We yeah. didn't want to go to, for a complete offshore, nearshoring model. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, our teams work really closely together to solve customer problems. So yeah. exactly. we did a bit of market scan and you know, Portugal's really an up-and-coming tech hub. So. Uh, uh, not you know we're not leaning too far forward. There are some other companies that have a similar idea, yeah. but we looked at Spain, we looked at Italy, we looked yeah. at other places. I think for us it was about access to good talent, mm -hmm. uh, physical proximity, good, you know, good infrastructure, but yeah. also we'd like to expand our service so we don't currently localize in Portugal yet, but yeah. you know, we have a, a mission to cover all of Europe, yeah. so yeah. it's pretty logical that wherever we start with engineering talent, we could layer in commercial teams and really focus the, the product on yeah. Portuguese consumers. So. Yeah. yeah, that was going to be one of my questions. I mean, how, how are you localizing for the different markets? Because I think, uh, you know, while there's some similarities across the broader EU, you have a lot of different local payment methods, um, different setups and everything. So how, how does that localization aspect? Yeah, I think we have to look at every aspect of the customer journey. So for yeah. us, it's everything from onboarding, you know, every customer that we onboard, we have to collect different information. You know, we, business registrations differ mm -hmm. between European geographies, ID yeah. documentation, and so on and so forth. Yeah. Uh, AML, KYC regulation. And then you have the payments experience, which is yeah. about localizing the payment methods and understanding what the consumer preferences are, trying to help uh, our businesses make sense of that too. I mean, we, we work with smaller companies on average. Most of them are not. Uh, they don't have the time and energy to really do deep research yeah. in terms of what they need to be offering. Yeah. And they're price sensitive, so we try to help You know, also layer in lower cost yeah, payment methods, bank-based payment methods, nice. SEPA, DIRA, debit, etc. So, yeah. And then there's the aftercare, so the ability to get somebody on the phone that speaks your language, mm -hmm. you know, the ability to interact and interface with us in local language, local time zone, etc. Yeah. So yeah. Nice. quite a lot of work, but you know, once you do it, I think uh, customers really appreciate yeah, the experience. Course. Yeah, I think it's super important to localize the product. And I think, yeah, I mean, going back to Lisbon, I mean, as you said, it's it's a very up and coming place to be. There's so many uh, attractive visas to get top talent in here. I mean, who doesn't want to live in a country where you have, what, like 300 days out of the year with sunshine, good food, good wine, the beach, and everything. How do you think um, Web Summit plays a role in, in kind of creating this up-and-coming tech scene within Lisbon and in Portugal in general? Yeah, I mean, I think for the past few years, a lot of people have been working remotely. I think a lot of people miss the contact, and mm. you know, I think technology, especially the, the, the space that we're in, we call it an ecosystem. I mean, we have hundreds of partners, we have loads of different integrations, all those are other businesses that are focused on you know, our end market. So we work with accounting software providers and there's lots of new ERP technology. So you know, for us, we just want to make sure we're on the heartbeat of yeah. you know, what would a business choose to run its software inside its company. Yeah. Um, and there's loads of different ways that that can be done. So for us, it's a very rich 
ground to meet people. Yep. And you know, we're building a brand, so you know, we're not a massive company. Uh, we're very well known in the Netherlands, but mm -hmm. we're trying to raise our profile in other markets, Germany, UK, etc. Yep. So yeah, for us, it's always good to get a bit of uh, media yeah. attention and yep. other things that help yep. us get our name out there. And lastly, it's, it's also access to talent. So yeah. you know, last year I was on stage, we put a plug in and said, hey, we're hiring. Yeah. So uh, I think oh, the job cool. market's fluid here too. Right? So yeah. there are a lot of people that are always uh, potentially looking out for their next gig and yeah, it's, it's yeah. good to get our yeah, talent course. brand going yeah. as well. Yeah, and this is what I love about Web Summit is that, you know, it's not like just limited to companies, you know, they have a lot of opportunities for students and, and anyone interested in the space uh, to join, so it's not... Yeah, technology's yeah. Uh, taken out kind of a hard knock in the broader yeah. macro sense yeah. this year, but I even you know really bearish people would tell you look it's inevitable yeah, you know course. it's kind of a steady march of progress it's yeah. in the long long term yeah. everything will be touched by technology so yeah. you know there, there's still quite a lot of uh things to be excited about and yeah. quite a few companies that are doing just fine you know yeah. it's uh it's not all doom and gloom yeah so later today you'll be speaking on the money comp stage i believe uh what what, what will you be talking about yeah, I mean, we, our general subject matter that we like to talk about is, you know, how do we empower small businesses? Mm. So uh, it's very easy to see in difficult times how an Amazon will survive, you know, yes. throughout, throughout any funny yeah. runway, you know, big team, huge amounts of resources, highly yeah. profitable business. So, you know, we're at, we're at the end of the market where people need a bit more support. And I also think there's quite a lot more disruption going on in, mm -hmm. in small business. So. Mm -hmm. Uh, whether it's things like access to capital or what, what does a banking service look like. Yeah. I think a lot of people yeah. are asking themselves, there must be a more intelligent way to put this together. So we'll talk a little bit about that. And I'm joined by you know, another uh, fintech leader who is in a slightly different business, but has spent a long time in, for example, working at Cabbage and knows a lot of the ins and outs of SMEs. So you know, we'll, we'll have a bit of a dialogue about what's going on in this yeah. space. I mean, I know specifically in Southern Europe, like SMEs are at the heart and soul of the economy. Um, so I think it's super critical to equip small businesses with the best technology um, to really help their business succeed and, and really empower them. And I think what's interesting is that it's not just like young people that are starting businesses. For example, my parents who are retired in the middle of Corona started an online business selling like quilting fabric and when they told me for like a month I didn't believe yeah. them and so I think now I mean as you mentioned like it's very easy for anyone nowadays to kind of start a small business specifically an e-commerce small business so I think yeah. what a lot of the barriers doing... have come down you know but the, a lot of the barriers have gone up you know I think yeah. you know, going and get a bank loan right now as a small business is tricky mm -hmm. um, you know supply chain and other things always hits the small guys yeah, first course. so access to raw materials and products and you have a lot of inputs have gone up there's quite a lot of inflation so you know the challenges are, are very real so mm -hmm. yeah, we, we work a lot on our aspect of the friction and yeah. you know we're trying to expand the the arena in which we feel like we can help businesses yeah. so and look i we're in the center of amsterdam so you feel the small business fog yeah. there for sure there's yeah. no starbucks and mcdonald's yeah. in the city center yeah, you've got to go course. to the airport or the train station so yeah that's what i love about amsterdam it's it's local it's you feel that you're really yeah doing something for the local economy when you kind of 
do any type of shopping, right? I think that's a, a big difference between like a London or some of the other major hubs. So looking to the future, what's uh, what's on the roadmap for, for Mali? So the most recent product launch we did is we started uh, advancing capital to small businesses. Yep. So that's been a huge hit, you know, a ton of demand, and we, we'd really like to roll that out and get it to all of our end customers. So yeah. we've got a series of market launches planned for that before the end of the year. We started in the Netherlands, and then yeah. we've expanded out to the other geographies in which we trade. Yeah. Uh, we're working a lot on the core payments product, right? It can mm -hmm. always be better, additional forms of payment, yeah. uh, additional refinements to the checkout. We have a mobile app that, you know, a lot of our small businesses love, you know, working on the go and just yeah. keeping track of what's going on. So working on that. I think next year as well, we, we want to get deeper into financial services. Yeah. So yeah. what we've always said publicly after we raised our last round of capital is we think we can add in three really key areas. One is the capital product. The second is the account flow, you know, mm -hmm. so being more of a, an account-based service, a bank account or... Uh, you know, holding consumer funds, uh, sorry, uh, merchant funds. Yeah. And then I think the last one is, you know, we also see things around corporate card and expenses that are yeah. very clunky still. Yeah, so a lot definitely. of very successful businesses targeting that. So we see that as working well within our payments proposition. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of, uh, I think a lot of interesting companies to be inspired by. Um, there's a lot of yeah, I think forward-thinking companies that are looking to make every aspect of the SME's life easier. And I think really the most important thing is to take away that, you know, the time spent on financial management to give them time to really grow their business and, yeah, do what, do what they love doing, which is why a lot of people, you know, opt to become a SME or a micro business rather than in the big cog of a corporate. Yeah, and we, 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 always, we often use the phrase, you know, we want to take the enterprise grade technology and make it accessible for small companies. So that's yeah. about making things affordable, but also making them easy. You know, I, I, I think, you know, a, a small company doesn't need to run SAP. Exactly. But they do need you know, reconciliation and yeah. other tasks performed by this type of software. So the next generation of these tools is very focused on being a SaaS model or your pay-as-you-go. It's a little bit easier yeah. to consume and then Obviously, at the end, there's always a payment. So you know yeah. everything needs to talk to payments. So yeah. we're lucky that we're you know in the mission critical infrastructure exactly. business. Exactly. Cool. Well, Shane, thank you so much. I'm really looking forward to seeing you on stage later today. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. Cool. Thanks. Let's talk about the future of payments. Your breaking payments exclusive series is here, and we are ready to showcase how fintech has deconstructed the payments industry and is rebuilding it seamlessly as an embedded experience for the client. Stay tuned for new episodes every month on Breaking Banks Europe. Welcome back to Breaking Banks Europe. We are still here at the Web Summit and uh, now with another great company that, that just uh, went off the stage uh, we are here with adrian mitzi from weaver welcome adrian thank you francesca it's great so could you tell us a little bit more about weaver what's your role there actually to be honest we already had the company uh, in an episode previously i think was with uh, my co-founder alex exactly exactly and it was like uh, one year ago so maybe for uh, those uh, that doesn't know uh, Weaver, can you tell us a little bit more about it? Of course. So I'm Adrian Mitzi, I'm co-founder and CTO um, of Weaver. 
and uh, Weaver is a four-year-old company at this time uh, it's our fourth anniversary started about four years ago um, and what we do is that we enable software businesses to be able to embed financial services within uh, their solution so our mission is to really make that as easy as possible for these software businesses to be able to um, offer financial services to, to customers um, it's, uh, it's been an interesting journey so um, a lot has happened over the past year uh, since you've spoken uh, with Alex and we'd be very happy to go into more detail now. Great. So we hear a lot talking about embedded finance and many times I also um, uh, hear this uh, claim, let's say, like uh, every, every company can be a fintech company. Indeed. Uh, is that true and uh, what's, your, what's your vision around that? Can you pinpoint a little bit uh, better for us what embedded finance is and uh, what can we expect out of this uh, new trend? Yes, I think a good place to start from is that uh, when you look at software um, companies who do software as a service, they have a product that they offer to, uh, to their own customers, um, what they're typically doing is building software, taking code, libraries, tools from other places, plugging them in into one solution and offering it to customers. And, and that's fairly straightforward, I mean, we all got used to that. But as soon as you venture into the financial services domain and you want to embed some financial fu functionality within your tool, you suddenly realize that it's actually quite hard. Um, there are a lot of regulations, compliance requirements that um, you need to abide by that. Suddenly there are two completely different worlds. The software world, where it's so easy to just put things in, and the financial world, where it is, where it is so hard. So that is where um, the idea of this embedded finance comes in, to try and bridge these two worlds uh, to be able to uh, include these services within uh, the software to offer them directly to customers. Yeah, and uh, which are the reactions you are seeing uh, from one side, from the financial institution, and from the other side, of course, for these non-financial institutions that want to enter in this in this field? Yeah, um, so we do we do deal with different types of companies. The ones who uh, want to build a fintech type of solution, yeah. so your standard. Um, create an, a bank account or issue cards and all that. Uh, but then there are also customers who are more focused on, they have an existing software business with which they uh, have a service to their own customers that even without the financial services side, uh, it stands on its own, on its own feet. Um, and our focus is more on those type of businesses that are not the fintechs, they're not the ones who um, have the exper expertise or want to build the expertise, but really they do software and for them embedded finance is a way to create more engagement with customers. So um, you're not just using the software for the features, but also there's a banking element in it and also to increase revenues because if you tap into money flows going through uh, that your customer is doing, it really enables you to have that multiplier effect on revenues, not just the SaaS subscription, but also uh, being able to tap into revenue, new revenue streams that uh, weren't there before. Yeah, definitely. And uh, I've seen recently um, an amazing talk by uh, Dan Marowitz from Booking.com explaining all their strategy um, about embedded finance and how to plug it in in a company that is actually not a financial company. So it's really um, challenging, I suppose, but also very fascinating. Indeed. Booking.com is a very good example. Um, may maybe um, the poster child is more, uh, everyone talks about is Shopify. Yeah. 
yeah. um, that the uh, SAS revenue, I think this year they, or last year they reported something around 350 million yeah, dollars, but their um, financial side, the way that they offered financial services has grown outgrown it quite significantly, 850 million. So there's quite a discrepancy. One is an older type business, so it's been there for 13 years. Yeah. The other one much, much newer, maybe just over five years and really growing much quicker. Yeah, it's quicker really pace. impressive, so really impressive. That in itself is, well, many companies will not be able to do that, but there are a lot of startups that really look up to those companies like, uh, like Shopify, like what Booking.com are doing to nice. be able to tap into that. Great. And uh, actually, we can we can share news because uh, uh, you just mentioned it also on stage. Um, after these four years of very well established presence in Europe, you are launching. You launched actually in Singapore. Yes, officially, officially, officially today. today. Yes. That's great. So first of all, congratulations. Thank you. And um, it's really interesting because uh, um, we, we have a, a close friend of Breaking Banks and FTS Group, which is uh, uh, Sopnendu Mohanty from MASS, uh, the Singapore uh, mm -hmm. FinTech Authority. And it's really interesting because Singapore is one of the, if not the main fintech hub right now. And it has been such an amazing journey for them, starting from scratch to, to the point they are right now. So I'm curious to understand a little bit more the process that got you into Singapore and what do you expect out of that? Yes, um, so the, the journey that we've been through, um, if I had to look back four years, it was uh, just two co-founders trying yeah. to start a business here in Europe, uh, starting to build relationships with banks and needing to launch uh, a new service and hoping that it will, that it will work in a way. Um, fast forward a few years, we've, we feel that we've established a bit of a base here and uh, there's a good take up, yeah. um, partly due to also this um, focus on embedded finance, which um, it, it really yeah, it has, is the buzzword right now, basically. It has created a huge demand yeah. um, for our type of company. So uh, for us, it was always uh, kind of uh, the intention to, to expand uh, geographically and go, and go global. Uh, we start, so at the beginning of this year, we, we closed our Series A uh, funding round, and that was um, the plan to get started on uh, geographical expansion with US and Singapore as being the first to uh, geographies that we would uh, that we would go to. Uh, Singapore just happens to be um, relatively uh, quite easy for us, um, kind of to to make that leap. Also through connections that we've got, integrations that that are in place. Um, but for us, it's like repeating what we did in Europe and starting uh, over in Singapore. In a way, we also want to prove that. Weaver is not, it's not just a European yeah. um, solution. It, it is a global solution that can expand geographically. Tackling one geography at a time, but yeah. But that's good. It's uh, one step uh, at a time and you're, you're making such a, such a nice journey uh, till now. So I'm sure that Singapore will be your next uh, big goal. Yes. Um, so we are here at the Web Summit. Mm -hmm. So I think this can be a great platform for you. Uh, how do you find the event and uh, what do you expect to get out of? Uh... It's great, it's great. So it's my first time um, okay. uh, at the summit and in Lisbon, yeah. um, beautiful city. And uh, yeah, so I was, I'm just coming off a, a panel about how do you build a unicorn. Um, so it's a panel with startups and companies along that journey of, yeah. of becoming a unicorn. So sharing our experiences with, with the uh, 
with the audience. It was it was quite an quite an interesting session, um, but it's a great place, and in a way, it's, it's the place to be, right? For I mean, for for the. Um, for the eco for the whole ecosystem of yeah it's 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 tech. huge yeah, it's it's, huge. it's my first time as well so it's uh, it's it's great to be here it's it's an amazing event that's true so my last question for you Adrian is a little bit more about the future mm -hmm. so you already uh, told me a lot of things uh, about how do you see uh, the, the next few steps of the company but how do you envision the next five years of Weaver. Ah, there are many plans um, and sometimes it's challenging to do all the plans with the limited resources you've got. So um, there are different ways that we pl uh, plan to expand. Um, one of them is the geographical expansion, so moving to Singapore and uh, US and other countries eventually. Uh, there is also an element of, um, we call it kind of capabilities that we offer. So today we are very much focused on um, issuing cards, different forms, virtual, physical, Google Pay, Apple Pay and bank accounts to do SEPA transfers, faster payments and all that. So we are looking also to expand um, those capabilities by bringing in lending, credit, um, eventually crypto, um, insurance and other services that can be consumed directly f uh, from the platform. Um, but what I would probably highlight as, as one of the main points is um, we're embarking on this journey that we call plug and play finance, which we talk about it as it's a different way of doing embedded finance, so it's not in conflict, but um, the idea is that for these software businesses that we were just talking about, that don't have the expertise, the, uh, the existing solutions from banks today, like banking as a service, is just not enough for these uh, companies to be able to, to offer their solution. You really need to build on top a compliance layer, which could be a compliance as a service type of solution, but the whole idea about plug and play finance is that you literally just plug it into the software and let us, Weaver, handle compliance for you. Whether it is onboarding customers, transaction monitoring risk, and anything that has to do with regulation, uh, compliance, and all that. As easy as it sounds. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Adrian. Thanks for, for this call. Enjoy the, the, the rest of the event. And uh, for the rest of the audience, let's... Uh, follow Breaking Banks and uh, we're going to see each other in for the next interview. Thanks for listening to Breaking Banks Europe, a Provoke Media podcast in cooperation with Fintech Stage. Don't forget to tweet us out, shout out or post to the team at Breaking Banks EU on Twitter. If there's something or someone you'd like to hear on our cast, let us know. See you next week on Breaking Banks Europe.